West Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. Follow us on Twitter at iGuestInfo. Send us your questions and we'll try to answer. Now enjoy the show. All right, well, we're back again on this beautiful spring day in Seattle. The sun is shining and it's, it's just a wonderful day. We hear so much about what's always going wrong in our community that I wanted to highlight what's going right in our community. And so I started this Seattle Cares segment. And so we've, we've gone around to um, notable people in Seattle who are making a difference. Um, all of these people are um, no strangers to the community at all. Uh, but but you might not understand what they're doing or 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 what type of organization that that they are um, are, are behind and doing really great things. Um, today's guest again is no stranger to Seattle at all. Se- uh, Seattle's native son Garth Stein. He had tremendous success with his best-selling novel Art of Racing in the Rain. Along with, um, he co-produced a a movie that, uh, a short that won Academy Awards. So he's had tremendous success. And he's giving back with something that's near and dear to his heart with a, uh, an organization, a nonprofit that he started called Seattle Seven Writers. And he's doing that with some other writers and he's coming on to tell us about that today. Thank you guys for coming on and sharing this with us. Oh, thanks for having me on, Lori. So um, Seattle Seven Writers actually started in about 2006. Can, can you just kind of give everybody, you know, how, how you started this concept and, 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 and kind of bring us up to where it is today? Uh, yeah, sure. It started uh, really as, as not a nonprofit. It was uh, um, I had met a friend, uh, a new friend, Jenny Shortridge, who had just moved into town, uh, another writer who, uh, whose new book just launched uh, earlier this week, as a matter of fact. And uh, we started to get together regularly to sort of kind of air our complaints, I guess, about, uh, you know, our, our, the publishing industry, you know, complaining about agents and, and marketing budgets and, and print runs and stuff like that. <clears throat> and it kind of it became a sort of a grievance session that only kind of published writers can understand because uh, most people would – so everybody has a book in them somewhere, and most people would say, well, at least you have an agent. You know, you have a publisher. Uh, so it kind of needed uh, like-minded people. And it, it grew into a group of about, well, it grew into a group of seven of us who would meet uh, once a month and just kind of talk. And at some point, the Art of Racing in the Rain had kind of taken off. And um, at some point in the early in the book tour of that, I, I was asked to do an event down in Phoenix, uh, the, there's a, a driving school, race car driving school, um, and Bob Bondurant runs it and owns it. And um, he said, rather than just do something, you know, a regular reading, why don't we do something that's more fun? Let's do a, like some kind of a fundraiser. And he had a uh, nonprofit organization that he liked to support uh, that dealt with dogs. And so we got together with them and with Changing Hands Bookstore down in Phoenix and did this event that sold books so the bookstore was happy, and my publisher was happy. Uh, people got signed copies and made them happy, and the nonprofit uh, made money. They got uh, the bookstore donated 20% of their proceeds to the nonprofit. And I looked, scratched my head. I said, "That was just uh, we just did a win-win-win situation here." And so I brought it back to our my group, and I said, "You know, it's fun to sit around and complain sometimes, but I think we need to do something that harness our energies." 
And so we, we got together and we said, okay, what can we do um, with our powers and brainstorming abilities to uh, help uh, move forward the causes of literacy and, and, uh, and literature uh, well in, in the Northwest? So that's really where it got its first launch. Mm-hmm. And so now it's grown and it's kind of taken on a life of its own um, over the past, what has it been, almost seven years now. Yeah, it, it, we started taking on new members. Uh, you know, we have like kind of the, there's there's a group of about 10 of us who sort of do most of the heavy lifting. And um, there's a total of 61 uh, Northwest authors who are involved. What we do is we get each author has to provide us with a number of books that they sign. Um, their publisher usually does this as promotional uh, purposes. And then we put together these auction book bags of about 10 books each, and then we give them to nonprofit organizations to use as auction items in their fundraisers. So that's kind of a fun thing to do. That's that's sort of our, our, our minimal uh, kind of low-key thing. Uh, we've expanded into a lot of different uh, uh, sort of initiatives as well. One of our most successful has been the Pocket Library Program, where we get donations of books from uh, bookstores and publishers. And then we place them with uh, organizations that, that, that don't have a budget necessarily to be able to maintain a formal uh, library, but they still have clients who really want to be creative and they want to read and they want to continue to live you know, full lives, um, halfway houses, uh, women's shelters, uh, teen shelters. Um, we're, we may be starting to work with the um, uh, with one of the, the local prisons um, where they, they just they have people who you know we, we say you can take away someone's um, job and you can take away someone's house and you can take away someone's car, but you can't take away their creativity and you can't take away their imagination. And so we want to make sure that uh, that people in, in lesser-served communities can also uh, continue to uh, lead creative lives. So we last year I think we gave away uh, over 5,000 books uh, to these programs, to these different organizations, and we're well on the way. We're probably going to be doubling that this year. So uh, that's one of the that's, that's one of the many things that we we do at Seattle Seven. Well, there's a lot of creativity in the Northwest and specifically in the Seattle area, and there's a great energy of, of fostering that creativity. You see it in the music. You see it um, in, in uh, uh, visual art. You see it in writing. Um, it's just it's, it's really everywhere, and I think that's great to reach out, especially to um, people who, who don't have direct access to formal tools and find a way for them to be able to express that creativity. Yeah, I, I, very much so. And I think that, that really is sort of the, 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 the flavor in the, of the Northwest is, is, is pitching together. I mean, one of our main, one of our tenets of our organization is to foster the relationship between readers, writers, booksellers, and librarians. So really it's a, it is a, a community that we all it's an ecosystem, and we all benefit mm-hmm. from 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 one one of us benefiting. So, we're big supporters of, of bookstores. Uh, we always we, we do uh, uh, work with book support from local booksellers. We have a holiday book party that's one of our fundraisers in the Finney Community Center, and uh, Santoro Books always does the book support for that. We work with University Bookstore or Elliott Bay or Third Place Books, any number uh, Queen Anne books. Um, there's some really fantastic organizations out there, and it, it, it's just a way to um, 
you know, it's kind of bring everybody together and, and create a sense of community. You know, we did this, the, one of our, our biggest event that we did was in 2010. And um, we were going to do a, we were trying to figure out what to do. We could work with Arts Crush, that program that happens in the fall. And well, with readings, there's so many readings in Seattle. You know, what is, what is another bunch of readings? There's so many. Every night there's millions of readings. So I said, what are we going to do that's really different? And I thought, well, maybe we do like a reading marathon, like just 24 hours. And I thought, no, that, that's not good enough. What if we do a writing marathon? And so that's what we did. We got 36 Northwest authors together uh, at Hugo House. Everyone took a two-hour stint um, behind the computer on stage. It was also being simulcast on the Internet. And in six days, writing 12 hours a day, we wrote um, a novel. Uh, and it was all part of a fundraiser. And we auctioned off character names and stuff like that. Um, and we, we made quite a bit of money. We were very, very excited, very successful. And the book was not, I guess, brilliant, but it was fun. And, and it's always fun to read each chapter being written by a different author that you would recognize. And uh, so then it became, we published it as a book called Hotel Angeline. So it really has had a long life and it continues to raise money for us to the weekend then um, use to support literacy causes. That's amazing. That's amazing. Do, do you think it's easier to be a, a, a author today than it was in 2006 with this boom in indie publishing and self-publishing and fanfic and all that stuff that's going on right now? Well, I mean, I think it's it's easier to have uh, access to to a, a publishing uh, channel. Um, I'm not sure that makes you a better writer. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a, a lot of times what happens is, um, and maybe before it happened with, you know, I need to get an agent, and so you start sending your book around to agents and no one seems to take it, and you can't quite figure out why. And the reason is because it's not done yet. It, it's, it needs more work. And we all get oh, so excited. We get anxious, and we, we want to hurry up and be done, and we want to move to the next level, and we can't rush things. Um, I think that that used to be uh, all that energy was channeled toward trying to get an agent, and maybe now it's channeled toward, oh, okay, now I can I can self-publish or I can independently publish my book. Um, but just the real fear is that if it's not if it's not ready yet, if it's not finished, um, and I mean finished being highly polished and vetted by you know uh, uh, people who are, are dependable and, and close critical readers. Um, it may be a very fine book or a story, but it just isn't polished enough. You're going to have trouble finding an audience for that. And so really mm -hmm. I think that the, the one, a writer has to ask oneself, what is my goal? Is my goal to have a published book or is it to enjoy the process of writing and to uh, really uh, work with my tools and my medium, uh, and, and then hopefully that will result in a book that people will enjoy. So I discourage young writers from being too um, focused on that end product. I, I, if you write with that in mind, you often contrive things uh, to accelerate the, the time schedule, if you know what I mean. Right, right. What what is the temperature or, or the climate like with young writers right now? Are are you seeing more people interested in writing, or is it about the same as it used to be, or less, or more? 
Well, I think that it's I, – I don't, I don't really know. I can't really – judge that, I don't think. I think that a lot of people are very excited about reading nowadays, which is great. Um, you know, the, the e-reader, um, as much as everyone feared it, I think is really um, uh, encouraging people to read. Um, there, there are a number of different theories about why that would be the case, uh, and I, I guess I have fears of my own, but um, either any, in any event, it, it it, it, we're, we're getting a lot more uh, books out there into people's hands, and, and that's good. I mean, writing is a great form of communication. We all have to we learn it starting in kindergarten or before that, and uh, we depend on it. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's terrific, and people should always be reading and writing and telling stories in whatever they can. Well, I love my e-reader, and I wasn't a huge reader before, and and I, I don't really know why that that is. I mean, I, I, I read, but but not as much as I do now with the e-readers, just because it might be because I, I just had so many books, and I don't want to see that in a bad way, but I didn't really know what to do with them all, so I, you know, didn't want to maybe get more books. Um, but some people really like that. I mean, my, my mother would; she has her whole house is, is full of books. But for me personally, I can just download books and download books and download books on my e-reader, and it puts it on my little shelf, and it makes it so easy for me just to go and click on that book, and it's right there. And um, and if I want to read it again, I haven't given it away to somebody, and then I have to remember: did I even have that book? Did I not have that book? Um, or or the horrible thing of having to ask for it back when you've loaned it out yeah. and won it back. That's, oh, my gosh, that that's dreadful. So that's the great thing about my e-reader is that I would say I would give you the book, but, you know, it's on my e-reader. And uh, and then I will find myself reading the book over again now. Well, and, you know, there's so many great things about the e-reader as well, the the way you can uh, uh, highlight things and, and uh, uh, and. You know, it's, you don't have to find them again. What, what, what I'm right. A book, and look I, up definitions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when I'm writing, I use it for I use it for my in my writing process now because my wife is always my my first reader and editor, and uh, so I'll write. I write in a program called Scrivener, and it can produce a EPUB format, um, so I can turn it into an ebook, send it to her. She can then mark up the ebook on her iPad and then give that back to me and I, I don't have to search for her comments because they're all listed out here. They're, I have a, just a master list of all these things and where the location is. So it's really fun for me in terms of the process of being able to utilize that process. But, you know, right. there, are all sorts of, there are all sorts of other – I mean, I have a theory about the, the e-reader thing, which is that, you know, what happens, at least for me sometimes, I would – I would get a book and I'd, I'd start to read it and have it on my, my nightstand there. And maybe I, I wouldn't be totally into it. I'd say, well, I've got to read a little bit more and see if I can get hooked by this thing. And then read a little bit more and I still don't get hooked by it. And then it kind of sits there on my nightstand and it stares at me uh, saying, why aren't you reading me? And I feel tremendous guilt. And so I don't because I feel that I have to finish, the, I have to read that book. It, it's, I bought it and it's there. It sits there and it glares at me when I don't pick it up and, and um, then I, I can't – I get paralyzed by this guilt, and so I, I can't pick up another book until I've finished reading that book. And so it becomes this whole – it shuts me down. It's, it's terrible. 
But with an mm-hmm. e-reader, if you start reading it and you don't like it, you, it doesn't stare at you. You could just go to a different book and, and not even notice that book on your bookshelf, or you can even remove it from your e-reader so it doesn't have to even little, little wink at you every now and then, and you don't feel guilty. So therefore, if you set a book down 30 pages into it, um, you're not gonna, it's not going to freeze you up for four or five months. Mm-hmm. And, and another great theory. thing That's about a theory. the e-reader. It's a tenuous theory, I know, but it's a theory. <laughs> well, you know, I think it all plays into it, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But the great thing about it is if you're watching TV or you're listening to the radio or something comes on, you can immediately, you immediately have access to that. You just go over to your e-reader and you just buy it, and within seconds it's, it's loaded up for you. That is, is the miracle. To, to, to me, that's just the most fantastic thing. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is fun. As I was reading the John Ronson book a while ago, the um, the psychopaths, the psychopath test, and it was really fascinating because there was all sorts of stuff in there about uh, Scientology, and, and I was like, wow, that's really fascinating. I want to, I want to read now. I want to read this book about the Scientologists, and I want to read this book about the, you know, the such and such and the LSD movement, and all these things that he went into the book. The next thing I know, I bought like three or four books that he mentioned in his book just because I was like, so mm-hmm. fascinated by. The subject, and so it really is fun to sort of, you know, spread that um, to network off uh, off something like that with the e-reader. Exactly. I also took a, a class online through Harvard, an American histories class. I was able just to the um, professor just, you know, had these um, uh, connections to the textbooks. He <laughs> just went right over there and purchased a textbook. It loaded right up on my e-reader, and then I could follow along with the lecture. It, it, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just amazing. I am the same age as you, and I won't tell anybody what that age is. If they want to go to the trouble of <laughs> looking enough, they can, but uh, um, I'm certainly not going to provide that information. But time really flies, and, and just in our lifetimes, um, the, you know, I, I used to hear my parents talk about the things that they saw change in their lifetime. And I guess I'm at that age now where now I can say to people that changes I've seen in my lifetime um, as, as a student going down and, you know, trying to get a book and uh, uh, finding a good book or a used book or a, a book that wasn't, you know, written up. Um, and, and then to be able to take a class online and immediately download the book, it, it really almost boggles the mind how far we've come. Yeah, really, technology is is something. I mean, my, my kids don't even realize, you know, I say, boy, you know, we used to have to type our papers. You know, and, and remember before the before the computer, I was like a junior in college when I got a computer. It was a K-Pro, and it was had two floppy disk drives on it. I had a, I actually had a, a job. I worked for a Broadway producer when I was in college, and uh, I, I used a Wang computer that was – Two, it was like two giant desks big for this computer, and it, it you used a, a 13-inch floppy drive that had 32 tracks on it, and so you could write 32 pages. Oh, it my just, gosh. <laughs> that, that, was the tech, that was cutting-edge technology in those days. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I know, you know, I, I remember when my mom brought home the first microwave. It was a big deal. We were like the first one. And you see, I just sound like my dad. No, we were the first ones on our block with a, with a color TV. Know, right? We were like the first ones on our block with a microwave. It was it was crazy. It was a big deal. All, all we knew how to do was pop popcorn, but it was an expensive way to pop popcorn. But man, we loved it. <laughs> it was 
That was now. There's a thing in the paper today. I don't know if you saw the New York Times today. Teacher, the headline is "Teacher Knows If You've Done the E-Reading," and it's about these uh, programs that, that professors can use to track their students' progress on the books that they've assigned them. So Uh-oh. you can act, they'll actually <laughs> know if you skipped parts and if, if you're taking notes and where you've taken notes, or if you've missed passages where you were supposed to take notes. And uh, it sounds a little. Uh, one of the one of the guys, one of the proponents of this, said. Yes, it's a little Big Brother, but it's Big Brother in a good way. And I'm like, wait, a second, I'm not sure there is Big Brother in a good way. That's just the slope so. of Big Brother. <laughs> I would hate that if, if if I would have had to read all of my pages and all of my notes, I, oh I would still be stuck somewhere. I, I can't even imagine. That's horrible. Well, yeah. But I'm sure the professors love it because you know they. It's usually their textbook they make you read anyway. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, what can we do to, to help you guys? Is, is there anything that, that we can do as a community that, that will help out the Seattle Seven Riders? Well, sure. Uh, there's a number of things. You come to events. We Every year in uh, January, so it's already passed this year, but either it's either the end of January or the beginning of February, um, depending on their dates, uh, we do a, uh, a one-day writer's intensive workshop. We all, all, all of us are writers, and we've done plenty of these workshops, uh, where you, writers' conferences and stuff, where you go off, and you go there for a day or two days, and you spend 100% of your time talking about writing. And, but you don't actually do any writing. And I don't care. I mean, it, you, you could talk about writing for, for years. You're still mm-hmm. not writing. You're not going to get better unless you actually do the writing. You know, it's, like, it's the same thing as a baseball player. If you spend all your time talking about how to hit the baseball, but never actually picking up a bat and swinging it, you wouldn't know. You would, you couldn't do it. No, no. There's no baseball coach in the planet who would say, "Today we're going to spend all day talking about hitting a baseball, but we're not going to actually try to hit a baseball." And so we get kind of frustrated by that. So we do a writers' conference, run by writers, and 45 minutes out of every hour is spent writing. And we do 10 minutes out of every hour as a mini lesson taught by one of our Seattle 7 members like Tim Egan or Eric Larson or Elizabeth George. And, uh, and then five minutes is on break. So by the end of the day, you spent a great deal of time writing and very little time talking about writing, but some. And then we have a, 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 a fun party at the end. And it's called Right Here, Right Now. And we do it, it's our big fundraiser. So we, we, we do it to raise money uh, through the, you know, um, admission fees and stuff. But, but really it's, uh, it's a way to also model sort of a, a discipline that it takes. And we have a tremendous um, feedback for it. Everyone seems to love it. Uh, they all get a lot done and say, wow, I didn't know I could accomplish that much in, in, at one time. And it really is sort of there's a peer pressure element that everyone else is typing, so you better be typing too. And uh, it's really successful. So right here, right now is a great event people can come out to. Um, We also have a book club brunch that we do. And this year, we just set the date for it. It's in July, on July 14th. And you can find out about that on our website, which is www.seattle7writers.org. And our our July 14th book book club brunch is uh, it's a lot of fun. There's there's wine served, of course, and um, we have Ooh, writers come. Yeah, exactly. Right. Anytime <laughs> there's a wine and writing involved, it's perfect. Um, 
we have a bunch of writers come whose whose uh, books are uh, are really good for book club discussions, and these writers are happy to make either home visits or Skype visits with book clubs. So if you have a book club, you can either come as a group or you can just come as a representative of your book club. You can hook up and, and link up with other book clubs as well as with authors who are happy to visit book clubs. Um, and uh, and it's just kind of a fun uh, little event we do, and that's going to be July 14th. And Elizabeth George is going to be our, our keynote speaker for that this year, which we're very excited about. She's terrific. Yeah, great. Yeah. And uh, let's see. We have our, our – um, our book sale, our holiday book sale uh, in November at the Finney Community Center, um, and that's always a lot of fun. We have 35 or so writers there who are there to autograph books that you can give to your uh, friends and loved ones for, for any of the holidays. And, uh, and then we do periodic book drives, which kind of come up as is we work with a bookstore. If you have gently used books that you'd like to donate to our, um, our, our uh, pocket library program, we can uh, we, we have a time when you can come to a bookstore and if you drop off a book or two you get a discount in, in any new book you may purchase there. So, you know these are the sorts of things. All this stuff is on our website, as I say. But uh, you know it's sort of if you're uh, interested in in reading and and or writing and and if you want to you know meet and hang out with some uh, really terrific Northwest writers, then uh, uh, please uh, join our mailing list and get involved. Definitely. I'm going to have Lori Frankel on in a couple of weeks to talk about her book, um, Goodbye for Now, and she's one of um, the authors listed on yep. your site. And yep. so I'm really looking forward to doing that and, and supporting you guys any way I can. Um, if there's any time that you need to get something out to the media, please don't hesitate to contact me and I can get that out. Or if you have an author that you oh, want great. to get on, um, I will support that. You know, I, I have authors on all the time and uh, always trying to support things going on in Seattle and the Northwest and getting that information out to other people. So I just have an open-door policy for you guys if, if, if you need to get somebody on or want to get somebody on or have some information, feel free to contact me and we'll make it happen. Well, that's terrific. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's great to have sort of a grassroots organization. That I think our, our community is very strong in the Northwest, and and I think it, it cross pollinates well. So um, that's terrific. We we certainly appreciate that. Well, you know, I, I always believe in the theory that a rising tide lifts all boats. You know, and so. We can't do it all by ourselves, but together, little by little, I do a little bit, you do a little bit, you know, and, you know there's always people who can do more than others, but as long as we're all doing something, <clears throat> moving forward in the, you know, in the same kind of direction, that, that as a community, as a society, as a, as a human race, we, we, we move forward together. And that's, that's really the goal for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, we have to... Uh, remember, we have to. It's so easy these days to, because of this technology, to sit in one place and, and do everything on the computer and one click everything and all that. And and that's that's fine to a certain degree, but we do have to remember that um, our main streets are where our communities reside. It's it's the heart of our communities, our the local businesses and the local people that we see. And the only way we the only way we can make progress, the only way things change for the better is through dialogue, it's through conversation. And, and, and in order to have conversation, we have to have two, at least two parties. And so we, <laughs> we, don't have a, we don't have a conversation with our computer. 
that's just a one-way street. So we need to be able to have these conversations and share ideas and listen to other people. And not necessarily, we don't always have to agree with the other person, but we have to at least listen. And one of my Absolutely. big frustrations with, with the politics right now is that there's the politics of not, of not listening. Like no, one, no one cares what the other side is saying. They're, they're just yelling louder. Louder we yell, then maybe it, it paralyzes the government. And it's just really mm-hmm. frustrating. So it we is. should have and a, it, people's it, movement. It, it turns people off, the too. Yeah. Yeah. It's really unappealing. So, it's, you know, it's very just, much. And I also feel like kind of the, 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 the world's eyes are, are on Seattle and, and kind of this, this area, the Pacific Northwest right now. There's a lot of good things happening. Um, there's a really great energy that, that's going on. And a lot of people, you know, we, all, we have a lot of tourists coming in. The tour boats or the um, cruise ships are coming back in. It's a huge um, amount of people coming into the city every day um, and, and from all over the world. And there's some great things going on. Um, with the art, with the music, and with uh, the Seattle Art Museum, and with uh, oh, yeah. with writing and authors, and all kinds of wonderful things going on, and I really do feel like the eyes of the world are on us right now, and we do have a lot to offer, and I, I just really want them to see all all the goodness that I see, and that you see, and that so many of us see in the city. Um, sometimes it kind of gets buried under you know all the other garbage, but there's so much. There's so much great things going on, and, and it's a wonder people are watching. Yes. Cheer, here, here. Cheers. I agree with you. <laughs> well, I really appreciate, Garth, that you came on today. I, I know that you're very, very busy, and I certainly appreciate you taking the time. I encourage everybody to go to Seattle7Writers7.org. They also have a Facebook page. Um, it's a very Good Facebook page. The the website is, you know, obviously it's it's well done. I mean, these these are you know professionals that, that we're dealing with with these authors, um, and and support. And, and and if you're listening from somewhere else, there's there's something going. Uh, there's some good going on in your community. We encourage you to find that and then help move that forward. But in our community, uh, Seattle Seven Writers, uh, get behind them. See if there's anything that you can do to help. Thank you, Garth. Thanks so much for having me on, Lori. No, I I appreciate it. Anytime. Open door policy to you guys. Okay, thanks. All right, have a good day. You too. All right, thank you. All right, that was the incredible Garth Stein coming on with us today. Just a staple here in the Seattle area. Tremendous author um, and giving back to the community through this Seattle Seven Writers. If you are a writer, if you are a reader, if you want some, uh, if you're someone who wants to help with literacy in in the community or your community, um, check out their website. As we switch gears this afternoon, I have uh, our next guest that's going to be on in a little bit is uh, Chef Top Chef. Michael Romano, and he's from New York City. He has a new um, and really exciting cookbook that's coming out, and he is actually giving a presentation to Google, yes, the Google, at uh, 2 o'clock. But he's going to come on and talk to us for a few minutes before he goes in to give his presentation um, at Google. So we're going to take a little bit of a break right now and let you listen to some great Seattle music. Um, while we switch gears for the afternoon. And we're going to play, I want to play one of my favorite songs, which is Love by Mill Frog. You know, we had Mill Frog on 
um, just last week, and they are just a, a great Seattle band doing great things also in the Seattle area, uh, giving back to the community. So I'm going to play Love by Neil Frog, and then we will be back and switch gears for our second segment. Could you believe in 
Hey, that was one of my favorite local bands, Meal Frog. You can go to mealfrog.com and find out more about these guys and see where they're going to be playing in the area next. They have a lot of great things. Their sophomore album's coming out shortly. Another great Seattle band. I wanted to remind everybody that Thursday night is the finale of Hard Rock Rising at the Hard Rock Cafe downtown. Um, what that is is they have a contest that goes on for six or eight weeks where they kind of shuffle through a battle of the bands um, for each city that has a hard rock cafe. And then each city sends a representative from their city um, to the finale, and that is in London, England. The prize is fantastic. These bands will then battle it out. Um, The winner will open for Bruce Springsteen. They get $10,000. It's really, really a big deal. Well, the finale for the Seattle end of things is this Thursday night at 7.30 downtown at the Hard Rock Cafe. These kids have just really, you know, put their heart and soul into their music. I I was a judge down there a couple times for that. There's uh, um, fantastic music. So I am going Thursday night to see who's going to be winning. It's a free event. Um, You can come out, listen to some great music. It's free. It doesn't get any better than that. And then um, support these these kids who are just really trying hard to follow follow their dream and follow their passion. And that's at the Hard Rock downtown. Starts at 7:30. It's going to be a great turnout from the music community. A lot of um, guys who quote unquote kind of made it in the community are going to try to come out and support these kids. Um, I'm going to be down there to interview the winner and see who we're going to send on to London and represent Seattle. So it's very very exciting. And then Sunday we have a special show. For all you Fifty Shades of Grey fans, Fifty Shades of Grey, one year later, we're going to talk to a lot of the players in the Fifty Shades trilogy. Um, some surprises coming up. Um, Jennifer Troughton's going to be on. Of course, she was named. Uh, she is a real live artist in Belfast, Northern Ireland. You can check her out at jennifertroughton.com. She's going to come on and talk to us about being named in the book. And uh, some of the top fan sites are going to come on and talk to us, people who started writing, running, reading, uh, how their lives changed after that. So that's going to be fun. It's, uh, it's at 11 a.m., a special live show at 11 a.m. on Sunday. So uh, be sure to tune in for that as well. And then also I wanted to tell everyone uh, to try to go to Perfect Strangers on Facebook. If you really want to see some amazing artwork, uh, photojournalism being done by somebody down at Pike Place Market with uh, – with people coming in and out of the market. There's a great new Facebook page called Perfect Strangers. There's a lady down there who's a vendor who just started taking her camera and snapping pictures of people coming and going out of the market and telling a little bit of their story. So that, um, and I'm going to have her on. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to go down and see her Thursday, and then I'm going to bring her on. We're going to talk about it. But you can check out her uh, Facebook page right now, Perfect Strangers. We're going to get Michael Romano on the phone, top chef from New York City. He has some great ideas for us. He has a fantastic book. He's going to be talking to Google in just a moment, but he's going to talk to us first. Um, I'm going to play Let Me Live by M. Deuce. We had M. Deuce on. He had a million hits, over a million hits on his YouTube page for his number one fan video that he did for his mother. And he is really rising up the ranks in hip-hop here in Seattle. He's taking on an anti-bullying campaign uh, try to take it globally. Of course, we uh, all support him in that. So it's called Let Me Live. He debuted it on our show last week. I'm going to play that, and we're going to get Michael Romano on the line. Yeah, what's happening? It's your boy, M. Deuce. Here with Simma Deezy. 
and my nephew. My nephew. Gotta stop the madness. We put this one together for all those that been bullied, been hurt their life, brought down by somebody else. This message is for the bullies and all those people that hurt. Things you say to me, what you do to me, positivity only gets through to me. You can't grow with me, cause I'm doing me, so let me feel, let me live my life. Can you please just let me live? All I wanna do is just be a kid. All I wanna do is just live my life, know everything's alright when I think at night. Is the hardest part of life When you care what people thinking Words cut you like a knife Taking pieces of your soul Take the shine from your glow When the negative approach It breaks you down a little more It's time we scream no These bullies gotta go Little girls of my own So that's all that daddy knows No kids should have to be teased When they go to school Because they look different Or might have some different shoes We need to realize The heart and soul is all that matters Not whose pockets fatter Or who climbs a corporate ladder It's really how you add Any value to the planet Are you here to do something good or are you here to do some damage insecurities and jealousy breed envy a bully has been hurt and they're really just pretending i know deep down we all just want love we all feel pain and we all need hugs even thugs what you do to me what you do to me positivity only gets through to me you can't grow with me cause i'm doing me so let me feel let me live my life can you please just let me live all i want to do is just be a kid This one's for the kids that feel like they don't belong I feel I'm one of you, that's why I really wrote this song As a kid I thought God was mad and I got punished Complicated birth defects, I don't have a belly button But it doesn't matter what it is, we're all the same If you're overweight, have no legs or even gay Like the drops of rain, if you really use your brain We were made in God's image, that could be so many things Most of us walk this path third eye blinded Pineal gland closed, not ready for enlightenment The bad try to blind us, I'm here to remind us Keep your mind open and the focus on the kindness Think it while I write this, how many walk lifeless Believing dollar bills are worth more than human life is That's so mindless, cause human life is priceless Be good to each other, that's when happiness will find us Can you say to me, what you do to me Positivity, only gets through to me You can't grow with me, cause I'm doing with me So let me feel, let me live my life Can you please just let me live all I wanna do is just be a kid All I wanna do is just live my life So everything's alright when I sleep at night Let's stop the names in the fist fights, let's get right It's not about ice, but get what your wrist like Instead of cracking books and learning something for the future We have to go to school to wonder if someone will shoot you It ain't right the way these kids are growing up Picking gangs over school with the sets of throwing up But all they ever see though on how life goes Is get a click, pack some clips and get some big dough The next thing you know they're starring in a big show No name, just a number, cell block four This story's getting old and the world is still cold it's only getting colder, watching rain turn to snow Hoping we can grow, stop worshiping the dough The soul's the only thing to go when your casket's closed And kids will repeat what they hear and what they're shown So lead by example and I'm talking to the grown Come on world, it's time we wake up We need to teach these children love and peace instead of war and hate And that these material possessions don't mean a thing It's about heart and soul We have to realize kids are not born evil They're just taught bad behavior so let's show them how to respect each other and the surroundings. It starts at home, so lead by example. M. Deuce, repping G.O.D., God over dollars. Say to me what you do to me. 
kind of insider information. Um, yes. Usually the staff is eating what's, what, what's, what the restaurant has the best to offer. <laughs> well, uh, I guess most people don't realize it, but the staff – food which is actually always called family we don't you know the chef doesn't say who's making staff meal it's uh, who's making family and um it's not the same food as uh, what is served to the guests and it's left to a group of cooks uh that may rotate um periodically to come up with something and they have very little time because they're they're um, they have their own work to do to get ready for a service and they have the set parameters of what they can use to cook. And in that way, I think there's a wonderful synergy with the home cook, you know, who, who may not have a lot of time and a lot of uh, a broad variety of ingredients to choose from. So these recipes are really going to be helpful. Exactly, exactly, because we're all running our own little restaurants, so to speak, yes. in our home. <laughs> so there's, like, exactly. like you said, there's a lot of activity going on. We might not have everything that, that, that a full kitchen might 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 have we don't have a lot of time and so these recipes are things that i i think that, that there is a lot of pressure on if you're going to cook at home that you come up with something good other than that you eat out and so i think when we we can't figure out something we eat out mm-hmm. right which of course i'm grateful to uh, for because uh, <laughs> it keeps my restaurants busy but <laughs> but it is nice and it's an important part of the family uh, feeling to have good meals at home, and you know what? It's it's a it's a similar uh, feeling. It's a similar reaction in that when you cook good food at home, and the, your family sits around the table and has conversation and good food, there's a, there's a you create not only good nourishment for the body, but also uh, you create a spirit and you create a, a feeling of safety and being taken care of. And guess what? It's the same in the restaurant because when the the staff needs to be nourished so they can do the job that they need to do, which is very strenuous. But once they're if they're well fed, uh, they feel taken care of by the restaurant, and so they're more inclined to give back and give back with kindness and hospitality. So it's it's, it's a, a wonder a virtuous circle. Well, that definitely makes sense because I mean I think we all get kind of edgy and grumpy when we haven't eaten well or haven't eaten at all. Exactly. And so it, 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 it makes sense that, that you would need to um, filter that through to – mm-hmm. when you're in a restaurant, you, you are in a working business. Um, right. Most people work behind closed doors. But in the restaurant, everybody's kind of working out in the open and just right there in the public. You're, you're right with them as they're doing their job. Right. Yeah, and you yeah. said you said it well. You know, you get edgy if you're not – uh, if you haven't eaten, you don't have the energy. So imagine that feeling of being edgy and hungry and having to serve wonderful food to guests. You know, you're, <laughs> you're going to be very distracted, and you're going to want to be eating that food instead of serving it. So um, it, that's one another good reason to have a good uh, uh, family meal. Absolutely, absolutely. And you um, cover in your book, you cover soups and salad and beans and grains, which are very popular right now. Um, I, I think people are very conscious of, of trying to eat more healthy um, pastas sure. and seafoods. I had a question to ask you, though, about seafood, about mm-hmm. scallops. I see scallops kind of as the tofu of the Seafood. The sea. <laughs> <laughs> of the sea, exactly. They kind of just take on whatever you're cooking them with. And so I, I've never really been thrilled by scallops. Is, is there a way to make scallops thrilling? Yeah. Well, 
I have to say, I, I, I get what you're saying, kind of, but I think if you get really good, um, really fresh scallops, especially what we call the you know the day boat or the dry scallops that have not been allowed to absorb uh, moisture. You know, in the old days, um, restaurants with less than stellar reputation, let's say, w- could uh, uh, figure out a way to make scallops last longer before they got served by, uh, if you keep them iced, for example, and you keep them wet, they tend to absorb the water and they they may even be sort of, you know, not at the peak of freshness, but you don't really notice it because they're constantly being washed out. But when you go to cook them, you'll definitely notice it because the, all the water will leach out and they won't be, they'll be tasteless and the texture will be awful. So when you have a really good, fresh, dry scallop, um, I and you cook, well, they, they do respond well to uh, searing because they sort of, the outside sort of caramelizes and you get that wonderful... Mm-hmm. Um, meaty kind of flavor along the lines of the way a crab or lobster, that kind of flavor, more so than fish. Um, right. So yeah, that so I would I think, like. Yeah, yeah. Those are those are. Uh, that's a good way to, to do them. But of course, I mean, if they're super fresh, you could steam them and make it very light and just put a dressing on it, some kind of a, a, a sauce, you know. But um, searing is and uh, searing is a real test of how fresh because if they're wet and and not really fresh, they're going to just sort of, uh, your pan's going to fill up with water <laughs> and they won't sear oh, properly. Right, okay. okay. What, what are some of the favorite dishes that that is cooked at the family table that, that, that you've seen? Well, I have a few favorites in this book, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. One is my uh, mother's lasagna. <laughs> which yeah, is, uh, I saw uh, that on there, Mama Romano's lasagna. Yeah, yeah, and that that came about, you may be wondering how that got into the family table book, but that came about because we asked the chefs, who, by the way, do not cook the uh, family meal in the restaurants, uh, to contribute recipes from their family. And so that's why I brought in my mother's lasagna, which is a great favorite of mine. Um, there's a number of uh, dishes that I really love in this book. The uh, uh, There's a halibut is one of my favorite fish with uh, sugar snap peas and cherry tomatoes, uh, which is really, really delicious. There's a great swordfish dish. There's a wonderful, wonderful chickpea, uh, fennel, and onion uh, salad. Uh, there's a wonderful beef dish called uh, Dominican beef that a fellow from the um, uh, Union Square Cafe who comes from the Dominican Republic cooks uh, periodically for the family. It's so delicious. It's a wonderful, very simple beef stew. And uh, by the way, speaking of this fellow, another wonderful aspect of the book are the stories um, about the people who who create this food day in and day out. These are not my recipes. These these recipes come from the cooks who make the family meal, and we have profiles about a handful of them, um, and which I think are very interesting. Definitely an inside look at the restaurant and people who have been with us for a long time and. The people who animate our restaurants, who make it real, and they bring the heart and soul to it. It's Absolutely. a good read. And exactly. And, and, and that, I think, makes it even more interesting. But when you're dining somewhere where you have a connection, not only with the food, but with the people working in, in the restaurant, it exactly just elevates right. that dining experience to a, a, a whole other level. Right. And yeah, I think you, you, know, you could wind up feeling a little bit more connected to the place. And um, that's such an important part of, from the guest standpoint, 
the success of a restaurant. You know, um, the great James Beard used to say the the best restaurant is the restaurant where I'm well known, and it's very, it's a very mm-hmm. insightful uh, uh, comment because when you're well taken care of in a restaurant, and you're you're you, you when you go there you feel at ease. You feel almost as if you're coming home, and we always right. try to strike that balance between going out, which you're doing to go to the restaurant, and coming home. Um, when you do have that feeling, you tend to be in a more uh, relaxed and uh, even forgiving frame of mind so that if some little thing does go wrong, and inevitably it will, you know, people are human and, and stuff happens, you're going to be much more uh, uh, ready to forgive and say, oh, okay, that's fine, you know, we'll just move on. Whereas if you're uncomfortable and you're just, uh, everything about the place is irritating you and um and then finally, you know, your steak comes out and it's too cooked. You're really going to blow your top. And <laughs> and exactly. The experience is not going to be good. Well, for for those who can't get to New York City or get to Union Square, this is a great a a, a great read on on so many levels. Like you were saying, you you ha- are highlighting the staff. You're highlighting you know good meals that are not complicated to make. There's drinks in there as well. Summer is coming. We're all going to be out. It's going to be festive. You know, we're, we're going to be outside. Um, I, I, I think it's just a, a great time. Halibut, fish, drinks, good times, family. It's, it really just wraps it all right up in there. And it just it gives you a, a good feeling. And who doesn't like to feel good? That's great. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. Um, well, I, think, I think people will, will enjoy the book, and the recipes are easy to do and uh, very tasty. I, I think you're absolutely right. I'm going to let you get on to Google. So I, I know you just like you, you have a bigger name on another line. I mean, I'm telling everybody, yeah, he's at Google, the Google, not not some weird Google, the actual Google. So you're going to yeah. talk to them, and uh, right. <laughs> we really Amazing appreciate place. you coming on. Um, I'm going to give everybody your information um, as we move into the other segment, so that I can go ahead and and, and let you go. But uh, I'll make okay. sure everybody knows how to get the book and and find it online. And uh, and uh, again, I just really appreciate you coming on for a moment and sharing this with 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 all of us here in Seattle. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay. Thanks a lot, Michael. Take- Good luck. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Just to give everybody just a little background um, on Michael Romano, if you are not familiar with him at all, he's one of the partners with the Union Square Hospitality Group in Seattle. He's a recipient of the uh, James Beard Award for Best Chef in New York City. Do you know how big New York City is? He's the best chef in New York City. Are you kidding me? Um, Under his direction, the Union Square Cafe was named the Outstanding Restaurant of the Year by the James Beard Foundation. The James Beard Foundation is the, like, Oscars, okay, for restaurants. So when I'm giving you this information on James Beard Awards, this is, you know, the the pinnacle. And so Michael Romano, he was a recipient of the Best Chef, of the Best Restaurant, He's uh, won a Julia Child Award. Okay, and then he's been on David Letterman. He's been on Martha Stewart. He's been on Good Morning America. He's been on Today, Regis and Kelly um, on the Food Network. Michael Romano is a huge, huge name. This is a classy, well-done, well-done piece of that also is in the cookbook genre, but quick and easy to make gourmet 
ish meals that came out of a restaurant that are eaten by the staff at the restaurant and just a fun way to sit down with your family and make some fantastic meals that aren't very complicated that are also good for you. And again, drinks. You know I'm all about the drinks. So um, they were non-alcoholic, but that's okay. We have always bring people over who don't drink to the parties. I, I, I try not to have um, very many of those people over to my house. But every now and then somebody comes who, who's not a big drinker. So we're going to go and leave you today. We certainly appreciate Garstein coming on, and we certainly appreciate Michael Romano coming on. And like I said, we've had some fantastic guests in the past. Oscar winner Patty Duke was on. Author Terry Brooks was on. Um, they're just giving back to Seattle and and the nation and really the world. Patty Duke is a big uh, supporter of the military. We found that out when, when she came on. Um, and she also just became a, a dual citizen with Ireland. So uh, you really find out some fascinating things about people when they come on and, and sharing their stories. And again, in Michael Romano's book, The Family Table, he's sharing stories about people who, who are working in his restaurant. Just a, a, a good guy all around. We're going to go out today with that M. Deuce song, My Number One Fan. Uh, Micaiah Massey is M. Deuce. This, my number one fan, has over 1.12 million views on YouTube. And again, he's just taken on an anti-bullying campaign that he's trying to take global something near and dear to his heart. So join us on Sunday when we are back with our Fifty Shades of Grey live look back one year later. We're going to have some surprises on that show. Can't name them all right now, but... Um, if, if you're a Fifty Shades of Grey fan, you're going to want to tune, tune into that show. Um, find Michael Romano's uh, cookbook and also go to seattle7writers.org and help support Garth Stein um, with his literacy campaign. And be sure to let nice people you know know about our show. We're always supporting nice people doing great things. Thanks for joining us today. Whoa. I guess nowadays it's pretty normal for a lot of kids We didn't have much, it didn't mean much that we didn't Had fun on every birthday and blessed it every Christmas The way I came in the world for you I guess was crazy Premature birth defect, didn't know if I would make it That must have been hard, we were both left scarred Physically for me, plus all the pain in your heart A struggle from the start, but I wouldn't change a thing It made me stronger as a man with the lessons that it brings Taught me to be generous, be caring and stay humble Extend and lend a hand if you see someone in trouble don't mumble, express with confidence Was never shy as a kid, not all coincidence So now I take my pen and tell you what I should have done Thanks for everything you do, you're my mother and my friend What you did for me, it was simply Not uneasily, but by enemies You took care of me You look good in the bed, you made sure I was happy enough said What you did for me, it was simply Not uneasily, but by enemies Don't stop. Uh, see this one here, yeah, for my number one fan. 
from the days of break dancing to the basketball stand. You were always proud of your little man. Now that I got kids of my own, see, I understand the love you had. I know that God has a plan, I know I have worth. Even how you had me, not your typical birth. See, I'm proud that you're my mom, and I'm so proud to be your son. Thanks for all that you have done. In my book, you're number one. With no man to lend a hand, except for your own dad. Emotions that you felt must have been crazy and sad. I know when I was younger, I was crazy and bad. I took my anger out on you, cause I was mad at my dad. I apologize, even though now we can laugh. You're always there for me, mama, I appreciate that. Yeah, you've always had my back, you know you've always done your part. You've always been there from the start, so you're always in my heart. When my little sister died, our dad gave no help Would have been all by yourself, if not for Art and Sonia Grandma B and Grandma B, I feel so blessed to know ya That's why I want to show ya, the talent that you started Believe I was a genius, even as a hardhead Now I get recorded, the thing I wish for is My mother to retire, I wish I could afford it But now though, the love, yeah, it's better than money I say that to some, sometimes they look at me funny They just don't have what we have, or have been where we've been Whether it's good or it's bad, through the thick and the thin Not too many women, try to do what you did I was a smart mouth, know it all rebellious kid So if you have some regrets, just know I have some too Let's lead a path in the past and let's start brand new What you did for me, it was simply, not uneasily But by enemies, you took care of me Enemies, you took care of me. You don't think I forgot. You're my number one fan and my love don't stop.